some tastier chowder coming to you from my basement in beautiful Chicago. This is LesCast. I am your host, Amanda Costner, and we are recapping A League of Their Own Season 1, Episode 6, and what an emotional episode. Uh, Here today to recap the episode with me, she has opened for Ron Funches. Her album Chaos with a K is available on Spotify and Apple Music. She runs the monthly queer comedy show Extra Extravaganza at The Martin, a queer-driven gallery in Westtown, Chicago. Make sure you check out all the fun shows and things KJ has going on over at her website, IamKJWhitehead.net. Of course, all of this will be linked in the description. And also, in the description, right at the top, there is going to be a link to a contest Keenan Thompson of SNL fame is holding called Keenan Thompson's Ultimate Comedy Experience. KJ has a comedy clip. Check that out. But more importantly, vote for KJ. Okay, click the link. Let's get our good friend of the podcast on this show. Uh, it looks like a really cool platform. Uh, so go ahead and vote. That will be at the very top of the description. But enough of that, please help me welcome to recap episode six with us, the return of the very talented KJ Whitehead. All right, thank you for having me. Thanks for being (laughs) back on the pod. Awesome. Uh, KJ, I'm curious to get your perspective on how this season has been going up to this point. For you, are you into the show? Are you finding the characters interesting? Uh, just, I just want to know how your overall perception this far. Well, for one thing, it is definitely clearly the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there have been, I expect that racism, and they're like, yeah, racism. <laughs> so They're showing uh, it. Yeah, they were they're going in there and they were also so like I do like the show so far. It's definitely uh it's definitely more than I thought it was going to be. Not that I, I thought it was gonna be terrible, but the fact for I was amazed not just the fact that it's so good, but also I did not expect something like this from Abby uh Johnson from like uh, uh Jacobson. City, uh, Jacobson, sorry, uh from Broad City and um so like that, that was really something. Um, I uh, I've definitely enjoyed that. I've had to like, especially from the last couple of episodes, uh, have been uh, really intense. So I've been trying to take care, of considering that this uh, this most recent one, uh, episode six. Yep, definitely intense. Definitely what I was afraid of. Um. So yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's why I was like, why can't we leave off with, why couldn't we talk about episode five? Because that uh, went off so beautifully. Uh, I know, I know. The, the ending was so beautiful. I'm like, this is my thing. And then, but in a with way. With Bert cutting Max's hair. Um, yep. Such a beautiful moment. You're so right. And But in a way, like episode six does revisit that in a way. Uh, and more than just the same characters and the same storyline, but, and it just, the different ways that it's done, it's beautiful and I appreciate it. 
KJ, I am just right there with you. I, you know, listeners, I just have gotten back literally three hours ago to Chicago from spending the week in Oklahoma because, uh, you know, I was helping out a little bit with, with my family stuff and I ex- experienced, you know, what I felt like was, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really vulnerable. We're starting off really vulnerable, but anyways, it was not a good experience. I felt like I was kind of attacked for, you know, being gay. And when I watched this episode, I was there and, um, it was really, it was hard. It was, it was hard to watch the scenes at the end, not to jump too far ahead, but it, it, it was, it's very upsetting. And especially because of, of how our country's doing right now. And it, it was upsetting. And, and I'm, I might be jumping too far ahead, but it's like, now we don't, it feels like not only do we, we're dealing with uh, people from outside of commun- the community who don't like us, but at the same time, we're dealing with these, we're dealing with our own problems within the community, mm-hmm. like anti trans stuff. And, and while I was watching the internet, I kept thinking, like, you understand that it doesn't matter which where we fit in in the acronym here. Like, if that was us, like, not even 100 years ago, we all black away. Like, that that would be all of us. So the, the fact that we're still seeing that today is just, uh, that's an experience. And also, first and foremost, before anything else, uh, I'm sorry for the experiences that you faced out there. So that... Oh, thank you, uh, KJ. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was there. Oklahoma's in the news uh, right now because they're passing uh, anti-abortion legislation, and it's like really, really strict. And uh, KJ, you broke up just a little bit there when you were saying, uh, "No matter," were you saying? Sorry, I just want to clarify. No matter what letter in the alphabet we are, uh, we could all be wiped away. Is that what you said? Yeah, basically that. Oh. It's just, or even in the episode, just those people from the outside, they're going for all of us. Mm -hmm. So the idea, the fact that we're at each other's, some of us are, and I mean, some of us who are going after others in our own community for good reason, because there's still racism that exists in our community. And then you kind of see that contrast between like a, white queer space and a black and brown queer space in uh like in episode six and that's something i don't really i've never really seen another show um that's centered on queer stuff i've never seen a, a show do that or if there is a show that's done that it's i've missed it i haven't either it was just it, it, it was so, it, it captured me. I was just, you know, glued to the screen. You're right. The, the, they're showing the parallels, the juxtaposition, and you've got, you know, at the end, they're jumping scene to scene. It's like very quick scenes uh, of both the queer party at Gracie and Burt's and the uh, queer bar that Vi, played by Rosie O'Donnell, is running. And it's, it's, um, it's incredible. I, I haven't seen anything like it either. You know, 
I have not seen her on screen in so long. <laughs> I did you, not know that was her. You ever been watching Gen Q? The L word? I I I don't have it's on stars, right? I, uh, or Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't have that. I've yeah. only seen like episode one, maybe episode two, but definitely episode one. And oh wait, I did see episode two, but yep, I don't have Showtime. Well, I would. Uh, I'll spoil it for you. Seasons one and two are not as good as this show. <laughs> Under, understood. I know Fortune Feimster uh, or Feimster. I, I never know the correct pronunciation. I know she's definitely on the show. I think it's Feimster. But yeah. But honestly, she's not on the show enough. Like it's it's like a, she doesn't have very many lines. So, um, but yeah, back to Lee Their Own. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what we, what we were talking about, but let's just jump into the episode. Let's start at the beginning. Right. Uh, we start with some jazzy 40s energy uh, when we first spot the Peaches. I, w- I was almost shocked watching them come out with Jess having her arm draped over Maybell. They looked like a couple, and I almost thought, like, oh, is this – uh, a tease for telling us this episode is like gay as shit episode. I I wasn't thinking. Looking back, I'm trying to remember that because I'm just the second half of the episode is just in my mind. The, the beginning half, um, it's escaping me. But like, I feel I didn't think of that. I feel like, well, I could be I, reaching. <laughs> Well, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. I feel like in this kind of show, you can. <laughs> yeah. And that would be fine. Yeah. Because, like, I, yeah, I, I'm just going to say that. I feel like in this kind of show, you can. Good point. Uh, now, for me, the next scene was a little, caught me a little by surprise because all season long with the peaches, it's kind of been these girls suck. Nobody wants to see women play baseball, the brawl. Um, you know, I almost wondered, did I miss an episode? Cause in episode six, we have fans coming up and asking them for an autograph. The peaches are famous. They are. And I don't, I don't know where that turn is. And I think that people who try to go at something and do things like sports wise or artistic wise, that shift doesn't really happen concrete. You can't really pin that on at a certain point, but it just happens. And right. You know, looking back with how great things were going, they had to set it up for something bad. Good point. Um, they re- it was such a fall. It was such a long fall from this peak in in the the almost most of the episode until the very end. Uh, you know, they're winning. They're doing so great, and it seems like a lot of the queer characters are sort of like starting to relax and just really have fun. And they're all, there's community, they're coming together, they're learning about each other. Uh, So you're right. That's, that really made the fall. You really felt that. Yeah, I I definitely felt it. (laughs) Well, when we get back to the house, we find a very upset Esty, KJ, Esty, just wanted to get dressed up and go to the movies. Am I just a sad sap? Why is Lupe 
you know, being kind of mean towards Esty about her not learning English. Is she just exhausted from like being her translator? I, I, I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. And I, I don't know what to say about that because I mean, mostly I only know how to speak English. So I just, I don't know like the struggles with that and trying to catch other people who uh, English is their second language line, trying to bring them up to speed. I've, but if I would guess there is a balance to being like, Hey, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with us. We speak this language and it's a beautiful language and it's who we are as part of our culture. But at the same time, it's like, Hey, I was about to say a phrase that I didn't want to say, but I feel like it may have been part of the mindset, especially given that it was the forties and that's learn the language. Mm. So I think Lupe was starting to, that's where it was starting to go. That's a really good point. I mean, even now I have friends, you know, older millennials like me who are uh, Mexican American, one of my good friends, and their parents didn't teach them the language because the, their parents thought like, no, like I want you to assimilate. And I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure for immigrant families to, you know, come in and assimilate. And so that's a, that's a really great point. And I also feel like, and I also feel like us being here, just like we can expect, like, hey, they know, you know, they come over here, they should learn English. And like, I, I feel like, hey, immigrants have been coming over here for a long, long time. We are immigrants. <laughs> I mean, that and the fact that, hey, we're in America. We were born in America, and they're still coming here. Why haven't we tried to learn a different language? Oh, I think that we absolutely – the amount of Spanish-speaking people in our country, we should be, I think – I plan on teaching my kids, if I'm lucky enough to have them, uh, Spanish. Uh, so absolutely. Good point. And it is not the hardest – to my knowledge, not the hardest language to learn. It was – one of the easier ones for me to pick up on. And then I went to Korean and that's when I was <laughs> like, oh, maybe I can take a break from this. Yeah. I know one phrase, uh, what? but yeah, that's hard. That's a little harder when you go to having to learn whole new symbols. Yep. Well, Sarge gets a call from anything but the nougat department Baker jr. And Carson finds out some of the players, uh, he wants to trade them, some of the players on the Peaches, and give them to two of the teams he thinks will actually make the championships. Uh, you know, honestly, I know the whole season is about the Peaches winning, but I was kind of like, well, at least Baker's like doing what he thinks he can, you know, he needs to to save the league. You know, he really cares about the league. Yeah, but it's just like, I, I, I feel like... I feel like they also got they they've had so much emphasis and stress on the peaches themselves, like the ones who save this league. It's like you would think that they would probably put their needs first, hmm. but clearly that's not the case. And then I I was the one 
the one good thing from that scene was that I got to see that Sarge actually does care about them. I thought I love that line when Sarge and, and it just is so genuine. Um, uh, the actor who plays Sarge did such a good job. I don't care about baseball. I care about you all. Yeah. And I thought that was really sweet. And like, I, it had me thinking, I bet Sarge was, I bet Sarge was doing some, like trying to do some shit like back when she was younger. <laughs> like I, I she feel has a, like a feisty past. <laughs> I feel like she saw, I feel like she saw the youth that she never got to have. Oh, Wow. She got. She saw the fire in you that she never got to have when she was younger, and I feel like that is part of um, what inspires uh, what inspires her and what like has makes her love them so much. Also, I she might be gay. I don't know. Right. Anything can happen. Anything. Yeah. She certainly doesn't seem like morally bothered, for instance, by when Jess comes in. She's like, just give me the money, you know, <laughs> uh, after wearing the pants. So you never know. <laughs> well, Shirley does the math, and it turns out the Peaches have to basically win out, win almost every game for the rest of the season to have a chance to get into the championships. I thought, how did you find this as a stakes building mechanism? I thought it worked pretty well on this episode. Yep, it definitely did um, build everything up. And it's just, I feel like if the stakes were that high, there was no way they could lose at this you point. Think? I, I don't I know. Mean, sometimes the pressure, some people like, you know, when the pressure hits, they're, they're like, choke, you know? I feel, no, and I feel like they already did that. Um, uh, you know, uh, rewind back. Max that already did that. We we've seen that. Unfortunately, you're um, right. We did see a scene, and they specifically, you know, labeled it as the yips. And so you're right. It, it would have kind of been like a repeat of a plot line. Well, yeah. next we find Max and Gracie at the bowling alley. And at first, I didn't even realize it was Max we were seeing from behind. Uh, because this is the first time we're getting to see Max with her new hair. Yes, I love this <laughs> so much. I was like, how would Tony react to But then I was realizing that Max didn't live with Tony anymore. Um, but I was like, you know what? She is slowly becoming herself, and I really like that. And then I saw, can we just can we can we just talk about Bert for a second? Like <laughs> I love him so much. Uh, I just. Oh. He's so, he's so handsome and he's got one of those personalities where you just, he's so charming and, you know, like you want, I, I so cool. I want to be in his arms. So. <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't been into uh, that. That is like. That's like the first guy I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> That's the first guy in a while. You're questioning your lesbian. Yes. <laughs> That's the first guy in a while. So, yeah. Um, but no, he's super smooth. And also, I just appreciate uh, just 
you know, the right here, like if this is gonna, I'm trying to find my words, but what made it, what stuck out to me growing up and finding my way is that I didn't really have what I needed back then to like put words or representation to what I was feeling or what I believe for myself. And Max didn't really seem to have that either, but now she does. And she's able to find that through family. And that's something I couldn't do. So that's why that sort of thing, that representation, so many people shit on representation. Like, who cares? I'm like, no, that 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 matters because children can't be what they can't see. And then mm -hmm. they just, that stuff matters. You need to see that. You need to see, not only do you need to see that these people exist, you need to see that these people can be happy. That you yes. can be happy being who you are. That is one of the really, one of the really, I think, great decisions this show made to, they're not going to send us to a fantasy world where, you know, they're not going to have Max be able to play on this white team. That never would have happened back then. But they're showing how these people we know actually existed back then. And they're showing us how, Bert and Gracie, their life is awesome. <laughs> like they, they are so in love. They're couple goals, you know, and they're doing Vi and Edie too. They're, they're married in their eyes, you know? Um, and so I love that we get to see that side too. It's not all just like, Oh, you know, even so this episode is for me the hardest to watch. We still see these high moments in the episode. Yes. And just, that was just really, that's really something to see. And I I appreciate Bert so much for that. Repre representing that. It's I think there was an I think someone wrote an article just on Bert alone. And just what he means to the show and means uh to, I really need to research the actor. That's my thing. That's what I'm going to do after this. I am going to do that. Um, so Bert is played by, looks like Lee Robinson. Okay. Um, oh, looks like uh, Lee was in 20s. I didn't know that. Okay. That's a good show. Uh, Lena Waithe show. I agree. What a fa fantastic portrayal we're seeing. All the actors really are nailing it, in my opinion, but especially the character of Bert. Yes. You know, initially I was surprised they show Bert and Gracie out and about in town, but then Max calls it out and... Gracie responds with a really interesting line. I want to play this clip of how Gracie responds when Max starts asking questions about them being somewhat public. I just met, isn't it, isn't it dangerous? Of course. What else are we gonna do? Stay home all the time? Like, what's the point of having a life if you can't have a little bit of fun? What did you think of this scene and this line and the decision? Uh, Gracie's basically saying, what's the point? We're not going to hide away. 
I mean, like, the point is to not get shot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So so that's one thing, but I'm like, at the same time, there are so many people who go to their graves, like, not being who they are or being open about it. I'm like, and I think seeing how things have gone, especially over the last few years, it's like, would we really want to play it safe and just not say anything or not be who we are and just hold it deep inside? Or do we actually just want to live and live freely? And because we don't know, we don't know if we're never going to be able to be to do that. We don't know what's going to happen next. So why not? You know, um, that, very that's well a, said. it's a lighter way of looking at it, but this, you know, in seriousness, like now, now's the time to, now's the time to be open. And at this point, at this point, we can say that with confidence, we can say absolute confidence, we can say that anyone who like comes out and then their family and friends or family and friends don't support them or they choose to disown them, this person was better off without them. I absolutely agree with that. And uh, as some of the, our longtime listeners know I'm estranged from my parents and it's, I'm the healthiest and happiest I've ever been. I'm not saying you have to do that. I think it's a, a journey and a choice everybody has to go down, but I agree with you. We find Clance at home working on some comics. I loved it when she was trying to sound white going, pronounce those hard R's. <laughs> no. It's funny to see that back. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. No, it's funny to see that back then because coming from where I come from is like the whole idea of talking white and then talking black and then just code switching. Hmm. That really, that really stuck out to me in that scene. Also, we got to see just where Clance is as far as, no, she's just that freaking worried. She just, you know. She's been a mess for several episodes now. And as I think any of us would be, I honestly, I don't think we can ever really know what it's like until you've been in that situation when your country is at war with the Nazis and, you know, your husband's drafted. And then on top of that, he's dealing with, discrimination i i think uh, i yeah i think this is just clants trying to cope and you know really struggling it is and i don't i don't i don't know what to say about it because people cope in their own ways and I'm one I'm I'm a person who's like if you're not hurting anyone else or yourself if you got to do it okay but then I'm like you're talking well, about coding or um uh cope 
Oh, coping. Sorry. Coping. Yeah. However you have to cope. Like, if you got to, as long as you're not hurting anyone or yourself, go ahead. Cope how you're going to cope. But at the same time, it's like, we don't know exactly what is entirely what is harmful for this person. Like, what might look like something that's just a method to coping for us is actually killing this person on the inside. The more they think on it, the more they harp on it and stuff. And it's hard to really pinpoint that and be in just, it's sad. I, I, me personally, I can't even say anything about it because I, I just feel like I'm just watching someone just have a meltdown, meltdown mm -hmm. over and over again. Yep. And on top of the things that are going on emotionally and, and, and inside Clance's head, uh, we also learn both girls have been shorted on their paychecks. Their overtime has been classified as volunteer hours. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Why the hell are we volunteering for a country that just won't, that just doesn't care? So like that. Yep, that, that got me. It was interesting that they were kind of like, well, do you, it was almost like, what can we do about it? Exactly. Because that was the time. There was, no one saw anything changing. So no one can imagine something like that changing or happening. We see that later in an episode with uh, Carson, like, what she thought, what she couldn't believe was possible in that time period. Like, I don't think anyone thought anything was really possible back then. I think everyone was dead set on this is how things are. This is how they always will be. Yep. Well, the Peaches have a game, which they win sort of cementing this streak that will be talked about for a lot of the rest of the episode. And after the game, Carson notices Lupe talking to Baker Jr. and one of the Blue Sox players. And after a talk with Greta, Carson assumes Lupe wants to be traded. And we get the start of this funny plot line where Carson has no idea what's going on with Lupe. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I think I was I did like how something something like that was used, you know, uh, to like drive the story forward. It was also like a concerning. I can see why Carson was definitely concerned over what had happened over the last few episodes between her and Lupe. And then that brawl definitely kicked things into like we didn't know what was going on. And so uh so sorry yeah they've had a rocky ride yeah. as teammates Absolutely. as friends as like one-time co-coaches yep it'll be interesting to see how they where they end at the end of the series where their Absolutely. relationship is back at the house carson and greta have a moment with carson wanting them to go out on a date kj is carson being like a little selfish asking greta to, you know, really pressuring Greta to go to the bar, to go out on the date in public. We just heard this great speech from Gracie about why 
her and Bert don't hide from the world. Maybe Carson's right, but I can't help but feel she obviously feels safer because she has a cover of being married to a man. Uh, I think Carson might Carson might be a bit a uh, bit being selfish, but at the same time, I think, and this is probably because my therapist tells me it it helps to be a little selfish sometimes. I think I don't be believe in being pushy, but if there's something you need in a relationship, you should be able to ask for it. And so, like in that particular case. I am on Carson's side. Okay. Fair enough. I, but, it is good to communicate what you want. But I, with that said, I'm like, Carson realistically like needs to know that, hey, this is still dangerous. And so Greta, uh, by the way, I, I love, um, what's, uh, what's Darcy's last name? The actor who oh, plays Carden. Greta. I, I love her so much especially from the good place and then how we did not see the vibes until like oh it's very obvious now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, the lesbians have been like chasing darcy carden on the uh on the social media platforms uh she has become quite the star in our community (laughs) and now we finally have her Yep. <laughs> she is married to a guy, but now we finally have her. <laughs> we have her in this show. We have her in a way that we have Jennifer Beals. Yes. <laughs> so, I'll say that. Which is good enough for me. <laughs> Carson overhears Lupe asking Sarge to be switched out, and Lupe leaves the house. Carson ends up tailing her, and holy rainbow balls does this path Carson take lead her down a little gay rabbit hole. And I was just like, so excited, KJ. They have a secret gay bar with a fake accountant office as the entrance and a fucking passcode to enter. Where everyone's a friend of Dorothy here. (laughs) Are you a friend of Dorothy's? Oh, most certainly. Uh, I have no idea what the password is, but interesting enough, this is the beginning of the Wizard of Oz uh, reference that we will see as a through line all episode long to the very end of the episode. And that I'm happy you finally got to. I always wondered what queer life may have been back in that time. And just like those like little uh, spaces where that are created where you can't be yourself. And I'm fun. I'm glad we finally get to see that. Um, so it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. The more research I find, you know, just random articles or, or books. I did a YouTube video a long time ago about lesbian bars. I was shocked about the establishments that took place and the way um, I read one time that gay men and lesbians would some, sometimes like, there were, if somebody was coming, they would be, they would, somebody would like yell out and they would, everybody would switch and try to make it look hetero. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> just fascinating. I love that they're portraying these places that actually did exist uh, in, in some forms or another. Uh, and it was just so fun watching uh, Carson just wide eyed, jaw to the floor, like you mentioned earlier. Had no idea this was even possible. I, that moment, I, I've seen it once before in a different movie that definitely wasn't a queer movie, but like 
the whole idea of like Carson, look around. <laughs> <laughs> She's too obsessed with baseball. She can't. She doesn't even yep. notice for like two minutes. <laughs> and then just throwing throwing like off Lupe's game. <laughs> A different kind of game in there. Like I thought we had a connection. Like uh, I wouldn't. Okay, do that but Lupe is gonna bounce back like five minutes later and be like, "I'm as free as a foul ball." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true, but I, I'm just like, I don't, as soon as Carson got there, I'm like, I knew it. I knew what was about to happen. I'm like, Carson's gonna mess this up somehow. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, she kind of ruined things with the Blue Sox player. Lupe was uh, had a thing going on. I loved when Lupe was like, you and Greta? <laughs> you oh, and yes. Greta? Like, I did. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was thinking the same thing. Like, who that's what? <laughs> I'm like, it's not. It's going to be okay. It's just like, you figure it out. You figure um, it out. Yeah. Yeah, you figure it out. <laughs> like we 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 figured out being gay. We can we can figure out other stuff too. Minor details. Minor details. <laughs> when we next find Clance and Max, they're watching Wizard of Oz, and Clance says Dorothy is the villain to her, and she also draws some parallels with them not getting paid by the factory. What did you think about this, KJ? I think it really does speak to how different it is, uh, how different the world is for like folks who like we share that. Hey, we're we're queer. Well, some of us, uh, and we're women, and then, but just just the difference between black folks and white folks back then, and how people see stuff like. It reminded, it made me think, I think it, it, it made me think of the movie La La Land. How like wife was like, oh, this is just nice, just nice movie, nice movie to watch. I'm like, you realize the country's burning, right? This is a fucking distraction. Mm. Like See, there's so La much. La La Land. Hmm? I haven't caught La La Land. I, it's, there's, there's no point to it. <laughs> and the the fact that it was even mentioned at the Oscars were just in that someone wanted to announce that and not Parasite was the winner or oh no it was Moonlight all right off track but anyway <laughs> it just that's what reminded me of it was just that how different the worlds can be based on how you were born and. I think, I think it, back then, especially, no one had a thought. No one thought of like thinking outside of themselves. And black folks had to do that to some extent because they're like, we want white folks to either accept us or just let us live. But yeah. And I, if I have to add, like, a lot of that still continues to this day with what's Absolutely. going on in our country. I mean, I don't have to worry about the cops. Um, you know, obviously they haven't been the best to queer people, but I have white privilege. And, you know, there's just things that, that I don't have to worry about that you do. Absolutely. 
back at Clance and Max's, we get a a really a really kind of sad moment to watch at, from a standpoint of I'm a huge Max fan. Bert knocks on the door yep. and comes through the door, surprising Max, and you know begins to address himself to Clance. And Bert's com- just com- or Max completely interrupts him, uh, wanting to conceal Bert from revealing uh, who Bert is in their relationship. Um, and Max tells Bert, "You can't come over here like this." And Bert rightly points out, you have been in my house. Like Max has been eating his food, going on dates with him and his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, as much as we love Max, we had to see her, we had to see her at a low somehow. And it took this, unfortunately, like a kind of, I'm what she says. I'm not like you. Hmm. Like, Which um, that echoed the scene of Carson calling Greta not normal. Carson. I'm not like you. Mm. Yes, yes. I just realized that you're absolutely right. So many I'm, parallels in this show. There, there are, and just like, I think that's why, like, we kind of like that Carson and Max. They share something. They share a connection. That I'm like, other than the fact that I'm like, Carson, clearly Max can pitch for the team. But I'm, I'm, aside from that, I'm like, they're going through their, it's really, it's really, it's how they share so much. But it's like, it's like a different relationship, a different forbidden relationship. In in the show, mm. where I mean, Carson and Greta already have to deal with that, but then you have Carson and Max, who they share this connection, and it's like Carson wouldn't even stand up for for uh, for Max, even at tryouts. Yep, and we see the stress of that. And just in the scene in particular, it reminds me of like things you can fall back on when you're not so far gone from the status quo that one once like something gets a little too weird and you're worried about people seeing you a certain way, you fall back on some means of being normal, being like. Uh, the person that's criticizing you so that you don't have to deal with that judgment. This was the first time that Max was, well, one of the first times that Max felt like she had to deal with that in front of someone she never had to hide. She never had to feel like she had to hide that from right away. And, okay. and so are in you this saying, case, it was Clance. Sorry. sorry um, are you saying that I'm trying to understand Max is part of why Max is turning her back on Bert, who we just watched, you know, her bond with so deeply with Bert and Gracie is because 
she's been hiding this and she's she's caught in a moment and you're saying she's like reverting back to what she's been told as normal because she's doing this especially because she is in Clance's house. Mm. I don't think Clance knows. No, I mean Clance calls Bert a freak. Yep. Um and so. we we see exactly why Max has kind of has been hiding her true self from Clance. So like there's I think and clearly this was a really shitty thing to do and Bert's heard and understandably so. But Max did this one in order to keep appearances too, to like so that it doesn't raise any eyebrows with clans. And three, I guess it's because she's just getting used to this. Mm. Which she does bring up later on. All very good points. Back at the lesbian bar, Carson's learning femme lesbians exist and also what butch means and that everyone's yeah. gay, even the bat boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just shows Carson how easy it is to find women to pick up, especially since they're all famous ball players now. I, I wish I had that. I don't. <laughs> You brought up earlier how you brought up earlier how I opened for Ron Funches, and that was really great. But the thing is, most of those people were straight. Okay. So I, I was like, oh, what's going on here? Uh, but then, <laughs> <laughs> this is when I was still like, uh, like, yeah, maybe. But then I had to keep in mind, no, a lot of them are drunk. So <laughs> Uh, one woman tried to touch my hair, but um, oh, no. yeah, it got weird. Oh. Uh, but like at the, I'm, I feel like this is where, I wonder how long these terms have been around hmm. and for them to have been like back then, like if it was rarity for even like members of the community, like how recent or how new are they? When did well, we start this? I might have just put those terms in there. I don't think. Well, no, they do. They t they say butch. Um, yeah. I don't know. In some of the, I didn't get to watch the bonus clips. I forgot for this episode, but in some of the past ones, they were talking about hiring researchers and stuff. And so I wonder if they, if if butch was starting to come into our community around this time, or maybe not. Maybe it was just a, you know, a added imagination or whatever. Uh, I think the term. Yeah, the term definitely wasn't sure about, but the people who definitely fit that were definitely, most well, certainly there, even before the time period in which uh, this takes place. They were definitely there. Yes. We get an introduction to the character played by Rosie O'Donnell, who is dressed to the nines in the suit. Uh, this is for Bert. Shout out to Bert and Vi. Listeners, if you can't see, I'm wearing a little bow tie tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Dressing it up. Uh, Rose, how did you find Rosie as Vi, the owner of the secret queer speakeasy? I thought it was a great fit. And again, like I did not recognize her right away um, because I hadn't seen her on screen in a long time. And it was... It was cool to see her acting again too and to do this and 
I really do hope that this isn't the only episode we see her in. Ah, me in too. I was series. wondering that same thing. I, I really hope this isn't the only one. Me too. So, yeah. You know, I mentioned Jen Q earlier uh, as like not as good as this show. And a lot of the L word fans are kind of like, uh, do better. <laughs> but uh, the one addition they did is they brought in Rosie to play Tina's partner. And Rosie, to me, killed it on Jen Q in a completely different role than this. And again, Rosie kills it here. Awesome. All right, I have something to look forward to. I I always, I always thought that the L word was the best worst queer <laughs> television because it's just it's like Seinfeld but with gay yes. women. Yes. Like these these are just terrible people who keep doing terrible things, but we love them so much for yes. some reason. Well, because it was who else are we gonna love at that time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see. The next day we're in the clubhouse before the game starts and we yep. learn several of the peaches, uh, maybe at risk for yeast infections. Like, okay, not changing your socks. Fine. That's one thing. If I get a little foot fungus. Okay, fine. I'll do the powder or whatever. Not changing your underwear. That's where I draw the line. KJ. That's where. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are no, you superstitious? I I am not super. Uh, I I let me let me think this through. I am superstitious, just not like that. <laughs> just if not with I your underwear. If I don't change underwear, it's just because a bitch is broke. And like, <laughs> like I haven't gotten to the laundromat yet. <laughs> That's that Chicago living in for you, uh, listeners. <laughs> I mean, just like I'm I'm in a. Uh, I'm just in a, I'm in days right now. Like also there are stairs. I don't want to keep going up and down the stairs to do laundry. <laughs> Maybe it was just a cover. And the, the ones who were wearing all the same uniform, they don't even care. They're just like, no, I'm saving money. <laughs> no, I mean, what, how much a penny <laughs> because of how, wow. That really blows it. How, how just, Mind how cheap some things were back then and then how little people were paid mm. even white people <laughs> and then, just like how things are now it's really did sad. they say how much they made like all the girls were acting like it was a lot yeah um i i don't know if they've said it but mm. they're like oh i'm rich and then, <laughs> i know how much max and clans were they were making 25 a week right okay yeah KJ, who do you think had the best pregame speech out of everyone in that sequence? We we see Maybell talking about some hee-haw and Shirley's afraid to die. <laughs> I do like Gratis. I, I'm going to admit mm. Gratis. And then I do um, at it's. It's just, you know what? Fine. I'm going to give it to her because she gets shit on so much. Rapti so Etsy. So uh it was sd sd sorry i uh, yes we are peaches so <laughs> like i'm just like you know what fuck yeah yes. so let's just let's just do that like i i'm gonna give it to those two okay i really liked uh i don't know how the accurate this is to the 1940s but i enjoyed the like psychotic energy of jess's let's fucking go yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> 
I do, I do like that. And I was, I was, I almost forgot about that, but I was cheering. I was sitting down and I was cheering. Yep. And I was like, yeah. And yeah, they got us pumped up. My roommates are looking like, you okay? I'm like, I'm pumped. <laughs> I haven't picked up a baseball bat in years. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go play baseball. When we see Max again, she's back at Clance's place, and she finally opens up that box Bert had left, the gift he brought over, and oh my, how handsome Max looked in this suit. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it was really nice. And you know what? I am, like Bert, yeah, I'm also a little disappointed that Max didn't wear the coat with it, or the suit jacket with it, but yeah, Max had a, a good point when they talk later on in the episode. I thought that was a great gift. But I'm like, what if, I don't know, Bert was um, just assuming a bit much. What if mm. Max just wanted to be very femme and very gay? Like, Yeah, and I wonder if that's why they made a point of Max not totally just wearing everything Bert gives her. And, and Max is like, I feel good like this. This this is how I wanted to be. Yeah, that was a good point to point that out. Just like it doesn't for it didn't matter at that point what Bert thought Max should look like or what Bert wanted for Max. What mattered is that Max wanted something for Max. Yes. And and, and yeah. really this whole season we've been watching Max figure out who she is. I think one of the earlier guests I had on even specifically said who Max is without baseball. Um, you know, I wonder, has baseball been a little bit of a, not a crutch, but a, okay, I'm just going to focus on this. And now that she, she's late, lately made this decision not to pitch, like she's, she's kind of forced to, to figure other, who am I besides baseball? Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting storyline and that is definitely something that's worth exploring. I don't like that because that's discourages me in terms of comedy. What do you like, mean? Who's, like who's KJ outside of comedy? Like, <laughs> I don't fucking know. And I don't want to fucking find out. <laughs> I've been doing this for almost 10 years. I don't want to figure that out. I feel like you're so sure of yourself. You know, you're, you, you feel like a lot of your identity is comedy. I no, I mean it's more than that, but at the same time, it's it's like I don't know. I haven't done it for this long. I just don't like the idea of taking a break because I feel like I would lose I would lose myself. And like going back to Max, I feel like what we'll see is maybe, maybe at some point Max will go back, but Max will also realize that she's different. I have a feeling she will. I mean, it's a league of their own. I think they're going to have her pitch again. Um, KJ, you mentioned earlier this scene, this revisiting of Max and Carson. This time they're in the clubhouse after everybody's left. Honestly, I wonder if I mistakenly assumed Carson was bisexual because when she describes her husband as warm bread I was like hmm warm bread kind of good though <laughs> warm, bread, okay. warm bread okay it's okay okay, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't dis- warm bread fans 
don't know. I wouldn't use that to describe a dude. <laughs> like, I, I I was about to say wheat bread, but I'm like <laughs> wheat bread. I, I don't know if I want to say that either. I don't know. I feel like maybe a a, a focaccia. You know, like there's the What, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a uh, you know it's like a little. There's like some dimples in the top. I think I don't know. <laughs> it's it sometimes has uh, like a little tomato type uh, thing on top. So I'm I, I like focaccia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just hungry and I'm just uh, gonna eat a sandwich later. Uh, I I hear that most of uh, <laughs> lesbians eat sandwiches, according to Shirley's mom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, how come? Why don't nobody <laughs> like sandwiches? <laughs> What's wrong with sandwiches? Come on. Like everybody was breaking, like baking bread at the beginning of the pandemic. It didn't mean you were queer, even though it was a, it was <laughs> a good know. way to come out. I don't a know. A lot of people, a lot of lesbians, a lot of women went on lesbian TikTok over the pandemic and they were like, I might be queer. I mean, but I didn't know that that was the, <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's let's let's, let's move going. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> KJ, why at the end of the scene does Max want to sit there and just be quiet for a while with Carson? Here's the way I look at it, and I don't think I'm entirely right, but this is the way I connected to it. Max and Carson are so much alike that you can argue they're probably one person. Mm. And the parallels here, we've seen that both Carson and Max fight with the, themselves a lot. They argue with themselves on the inside, and sometimes we see that physically. I think it helped that everything was calm for a while. That this one, and that this part of you finally understood the other. They are so alike when, when they're having this conversation. I mean, they already kind of uh, discussed, you know, liking the same sex. Um, they, Like you said, yeah, they just have so much in common. They're going through such a similar journey. Um, after the game, Greta and Carson convince Joe to go to the gay bar, but mm -hmm. something is wrong. Esty has taken all her things and bolted leaving a note that really makes Lupe and Jess feel kind of bad. Um, we kind of touched on this earlier about, you know, the different sides of Esty, uh, but I, I, I just, ugh, again, I, I want Esty to get some redemption. I feel terrible for her. She's, she's, she's got it so hard. I just, I, I don't know what's, that scares me. I always thought. I think of the cliff. I think of the cliffhanger with um, uh, with another character you mentioned with uh, Joe. But then I completely space on how this episode ends with the uncertainty of like, where's Esty? Where where is she? What's what's going on with her? And so uh, that scares. I don't know what else to say about that other than that scares me. Mm -hmm. So we finally see Max head over to Gracie and Bert's queer celebration. And I talked a little bit at the beginning, but 
We see Max essentially discovering her first queer party. She's similar to Carson, having a lot of these wide-eyed moments. And KJ, I was really glad Gracie stopped Max from running out the front door again. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why we do that. I don't know why we do that. How, like, we finally find a place and then we're in such disbelief that we're like, no, this can't be real. This is just a dream. I should just sleep right now. You wake up from dreams. Hmm. And I don't know. I I don't, what do you think about that? Because there are so many other ways that's in, uh, we see that just in different situations, but it's all like queer. It's all about, or trans people finding out who they really are and where they feel at home or where they never knew they would feel at home. Yeah, I think when you are first realizing who you are and what it means and how figuring things out, you know, there's that fear and it's it's like a it's just confusion, I think. And and you know, Max is is going through it, you know. But then and I think it can be back and forth. And and I love this portrayal. Like when I was first coming out. I came out to some people, but then when I was at work, I was still pretending to be straight. Um, It was a slower process for me. And that's kind of what Max is. She's gone a little bit back and forth. And, uh, and, but, you know, as you mentioned, it's the 1940s. This is hard. It's hard for everyone, I assume. Yeah. I think it's also telling just seeing this, how, like, given every, given what we see later, it's just we, again, the, for me, it was just a representation of I, I don't see I don't see enough intersectionality in media and how this intersectionality of being black or brown and also being queer or just in some characters, uh, yeah, trans or like not cis. This has been around for a long time, but no one really talks about this enough. So that sticks out to me that way. Yeah, I think we need to continue to do better. Well, it's not really we, but um, I don't know, the people making the shows. (laughs) And I really, I I agree with you. I'm glad um, we're getting to see uh, all those we're we're seeing queer black people deal with their you know how both things affect their identity and and their the way they move through this world right also um, they chose a good location like away from everyone else uh so that no one and also the being mostly black folks especially at the time period no one's going to bother them because they don't want to be near them Good point. And Bert actually mentions at one point uh, when he goes over to Max's, I believe, or I don't know where it is, but he says, you know, it's, oh, it's when they discuss the trains. Max is like, oh, do those trains come by all the time? And Bert's like, yeah, you know, it's not the the best, but it's worth it because we have privacy. Right. 
Back at the white queer bar, we have a slow-mo of Greta and Carson holding hands, which somewhat frustrates Joe, but not to worry. Flo is coming to the rescue. Not to be confused with the modern insurance lady, Flo. This is a 1940s queer woman who would like (laughs) DeLuca to beat her at darts. (laughs) Was that a euphemism? I don't know. (laughs) Joe and Flo. <laughs> or Flo Joe. Oh! Flo Joe! What a ship name! What You heard it coined on Lescast. Flo Joe! Flo <laughs> <laughs> Joe! <sighs> like, we... I gotta see this confidence in Joe that I've never seen, like, throughout the series so far. And then... Uh, <laughs> It was a bit awkward, but I love how Joe just leaned into it, being like, you know what? This is me. (laughs) (laughs) I am the famous DeLuca. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was was really cool. We have the scene back at the queer party at Burton Gracie's where Bert tells Max, you really hurt me. Um, I honestly wondered if they would have this be a longer scene, but it was just a very like straightforward, beautiful, you know, Max, like we referenced this earlier saying, I, I, this is who I am. Uh, I didn't want to wear the, the jacket. And then Max also has a line where Max says, I can't lose you too. Uh, something about queer family members. And I know you mentioned you, do you, you don't have any or, or you didn't when you were coming out? Not uh, that you when- personal. So uh, I was one of the first out in my family, and that was because I was outed. Oh. So, yeah. But I was outed, and then I actually do have a couple of family members who, not long after me, uh, either told me or I found out or just people were like, they slowly figured it out once they realized that, like, my cousin, for example, people slowly figured it out when he didn't come. He never came home with the girl. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, my family was surprised, even though I am a former professional golfer. Uh, they were all shocked. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, my sister wasn't. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> she knew. Uh, I love how Bert capped this scene by telling Max, go get your girl. Yeah. And then I Max. Also, oh, go ahead. I also feel like Bert's not the type of character to hold on to things, which is why this scene, uh, this conversation between Bert and Max wasn't very long. Mm, okay. I don't, I think, I think Bert uh, has his empathy for like Max, of course, and knowing that Max is just getting used to things is very new to, to this. And so he has a lot of patience. Does Bert kind of clock Max's queerness right away or maybe from some earlier times? Or it seems, I don't know that I saw a conversation necessarily where, uh, how does Bert necessarily know? Or is it just one of those things? I It's when Max came over and then left. Oh, oh okay. That was Bert, like sort of an, a reveal to them. Yeah, Bert figured it out right away and sometimes it's one of those like we can't really explain it but when we look at someone we know i don't i don't like the term gaydar 
I really don't. <laughs> Me neither. I, I don't like it, but you can look at someone and there's something. There's this kind of energy that you match and you're like, you're just like me, mm. right? And they're like, yeah, I think so. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's, you know, has to do with maybe in our, especially for like, you know, me, I'm a, I'm an older millennial, the upbringing of that height, you know, maybe that initial hiding. And, and we, there's something, like you said, like a sense that we can sometimes have between each other. Yeah. When the music starts building up, uh, at this point, I know one of these two queer, uh, it, par- the bar or the party is going to get busted. That was something that was very obvious to me once they started showing how hard Carson was working to get Greta and Joe to go to the bar. And sure enough, after all the beautiful dancing and the kissing and the love and and just uh, when it was at the most high where I was just loving it, I, I wanted to be there. Uh, we hear pounding on the door. Yeah. The next thing we know, Vi is holding the door shut like a captain going down with its ship. And I, I respect Vi so much. Like she knew what was about to happen. And it was one of those save yourself, I hold them back type of thing. And she was ready for it. And I, Rosie gave me chills in this uh, portrayal. Um, I was crying, of course, and uh, when when Vi screams out "Edie," uh, and you hear them hitting them, it was just uh, intense. The pounding on the as soon as I heard the pounding on the door, I that's when it clicked. Like I knew what was going to happen, and. I don't know what to say about it. It's like what I said earlier, the shit that we have against each other, just who we are, be it that we're black and brown or disabled, not even a hundred years ago, we'd all be locked away. It didn't matter where we fit in, in the community. And to see that I hate, I hate so much that people are still just like, oh, you could be whatever you want to be now. I'm like, not exactly. Just like here, people are still just so fucking mean. Like even like me, I like to come uh, connect to my African roots and see where I fit in there. The first of all, the, the fact that I have to pay for an ancestry test is bullshit but the secondly there are parts there are countries in africa where homosexuality is punishable by death yeah it's too dangerous i would imagine so so i'm like this stuff is very real and still holds on to like what there are people who are still alive from back then and i just it's not it's not done. It's not over. And that scene made it very clear. It, yeah. I have nothing to add to that. I agree completely. And you're right. We have all the way May 95 or something. Um, and she, she came out in her old age and it's so great. And, but the, the, 
we still have so much work to do. And we, like you said, we should remember our history and not, we should have empathy for each other. And, and I hate our community has had so many problems with, with racism and transphobia and we have to come together. Where we're still stuck on who can throw the most shade and who's better. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, no, you, what, what, what you said, what you said. Unfortunately, Joe gets separated from Greta and Carson. And then we see, we don't know what happens to Joe, but we'll find out, I guess, next, next episode. Mm-hmm. We fade to black on Carson and Greta inside. They've snuck into a theater playing The Wizard of Oz. And we they tied it back in. I, I really thought the way they tied everything together was uh, really well done. It was, and it was also... As, there's no place like home. Hmm. Max had been trying to find home all along and Carson and Greta are hoping they never have to go home. Wow. I love that take. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. It's the tie-in like back to the end of episode five when Bert is humming the same song and melody that Mm -hmm. uh, Tony would help would hum while she's doing her hair. There's no, you know, there's no place like home. Yep. KJ, do you have any other thoughts on episode six? No. We've said so much. We've, uh, listeners, I have, I have officially have cry face. I've been tearing up for the last couple of minutes. Um, I think we've said enough. And I think we should leave it at that. Yeah. That's why I, I wish we were doing episode five because that ends <laughs> so beautifully. I said that in the beginning. Yeah. And then now we ep- end of episode six. We don't know what the fuck happened. I know. It's uh, really scary. It's really scary. It's it's a it's an emotional cliffhanger. You know, I'm used to cheesy L word. Who is she gonna find out? She <laughs> cheated on her. You know, <laughs> it's I'm not used to the you know who is gonna have been killed. You know, it's it's just um, it's a very emotional cliffhanger. As the sirens, we hear the sirens in the background. Well, I want to thank everyone for tuning into LesCast. We have two more recaps coming at you, and you aren't going to want to miss them, so make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, um, I will have all of KJ Whitehead's socials and information linked in the description. As soon as this is over, 
take just two seconds. I did this yesterday. It literally took 10 seconds. Click the link at the top of the description and vote for KJ to get a tryout slot for Keenan Thompson's ultimate comedy experience. Uh, also, don't forget to stream her album Chaos with a K over on iTunes or Spotify. KJ, we did it. We got through this emotional episode. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. I wouldn't have wanted to do it with anyone else. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for having me back on the show. I am looking forward to the next lesbian series that will get canceled after its first season. <laughs> Like, no. fuck Netflix, no. right? Oh, fuck Netflix. I just, oh. ah. Fuck Netflix no. so hard. <laughs> Goddamn. You know what? I've been reading that Amazon Prime, the numbers are good on Amazon Prime. So, you know, I was kind of nervous with First Kill. I, I hope, I'm, I have hope for a season two. I have hope. You know, I've been waiting for a season three of Luke Cage. So, get luck. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <sighs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, KJ, for coming on the show. And uh, I look forward to having you back on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for tuning in to listen and watch the show. <laughs> <laughs>